when we were going to build that building down in the water, like one of the issues was we had to drill through like 15 feet of physical sawdust to get to the granite. Just try to be as crazy and boisterous as possible, kind of shadow up above the crowd, which at the beginning sort of was okay. It was, it's never been good to have bad beer, but I think you know, because it's been so long now, there's no excuse for bad beer anymore. I don't take any of this for granted. I'm just, I consider myself very lucky to have all these opportunities. Hello and welcome to Another Round with Plato, the podcast that gives you insight into fermentation. Today, our talk is with Sam Corbeil, the brewmaster of Sawdust City Brewing. He shares his story and the story of Sawdust Brewing, which were fueled by a beginning as a contract brewery. And he also shares his little Norway history with us. Please join me in today's talk with Sam. I would like to welcome to the podcast from Gravenhurst, Canada, Sam Corbet, brewmaster of Sawdust City Brewing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. We we talked about it before we started recording here. And uh, in Norway right now, as we do this recording, it's about uh, two in the afternoon while well, it's in the morning there. But you have the backdrop that really makes me thirsty uh, in the bar there. And uh, from my understanding, it's not uh, any any sort of bar. This is a handmade uh, 100-year-old uh, um, pine tree bar that you have made yourself. Yes, like most kings, we go into the forest and, and hew our own trees and carve them <laughs> into bars in our basement. <laughs> no, I actually got this from a friend who worked for a whiskey company. It's actually made out of two old whiskey barrels. It's it's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's followed me to three houses to the to the bane of my wife. She's tired of me hugging this around. It sounds like a proper bar then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got there's been a few elbows greased on this on this bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you you uh, you work as the brewmaster at, at Sawdust, but uh, your your journey within beer started a little bit uh, earlier than than that. So so how did you get into this wonderful uh, world of fermentation? Uh, so I used to work in advertising. Uh, I went to school, went to a business school. Uh, when I got out of school, I worked in advertising for a number of years. Never really liked it. it wasn't my bag. And then I uh, went to Europe with some friends and while we were there we were in Brussels at the time and I realized that like we were at the Grand Place and we were at a beer festival and I'm like I like beer a lot more than I like marketing so uh, <laughs> when I returned back home from the vacation I looked up places to go to school how can I get into the beer industry I found a, a few options one in the US one in Germany uh, I decided that I wanted to learn from Germans how to make beer so I went to the VLB in Berlin uh, back in 2006, uh, which was a fantastic way to learn and introduce yourself into the industry. Berlin's a wonderful town. The school is fantastic. Met a lot of friends. Mm. Uh, and it was just a wonderful experience. And I've been, I came back to Ontario that, uh, that summer uh, in 2006, and I got a job like the first day. Back then, there was only 35 breweries in Ontario, so... Uh, <laughs> We're a, a much smaller industry. Uh, there's over 400 now. It's been crazy growth, and it's been a, you know it's been a wild ride being a part of that growth and working at a number of breweries. And then being like one of the breweries I worked at Mill Street uh, when I started, it was one of the breweries that I really like desperately wanted to work for. It was they, they had a beer at the time called uh, Tank House, which was like my first foray into hoppy beers and. Mm -hmm. I really, really wanted to make that beer back then. And uh, when I started working there, 
it was like 17,000 hex a year was how, was our production. And by the time I left four, that four years later, it was up to 70,000. So just huge growth. And it was a wonderful opportunity to like sort of see and be a part of that growth and how you can work in a company that can go through such explosive growth and how you can sort of the ins and outs of production. Uh, it was an all around wonderful experience. Yeah, there is some there is some really valuable uh, lessons to be learned with such a such a growth. Of course, not everything necessarily on a positive side, uh, right. but it at, <laughs> but it at least gave you gave you some uh, some experience that you can bring into uh, to your own project, um, and yes. and that leads me in towards uh, Sawdust. And and the question is, uh, how did you met Rob and Carla Engman? Well, the first meeting, uh, I actually knew Carla before I knew Rob. I was when I first came back, I was like hustling. I wanted to be a part of this beer industry so bad. I was doing many different things. Uh, I used to do beer and cheese classes. I would do some writing, and I started writing for the Taps Beer Magazine. And that, and Carla was the editor, so I kind of was. I was doing that for a bit, and then uh, inevitably, I met Rob at a, at a beer festival. It was actually my brother's beer festival. Um, he was running in Toronto at the time, and we both sort of just started talking about what the that we both wanted to open a brewery it was just sort of like, Hey, I've heard we kind of knew each other. And then we decided to meet up at his place in Gravenhurst. He had caught, he had a, a home up here and, and I'm from the area. So I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. I'll go visit my dad and we'll sit down and have a chat. And we met in his garage, had a few beers, talked about, you know, like, where do we want to do this? And we decided that we wanted to do it in Gravenhurst. It was a very easy, quick conversation. Like we, you know, we've been, you know, we've been friends now for, um, well over a decade that would have been back in 2009 probably mm -hmm. um so maybe even before that uh, and then over the next couple of years we sort of built our business plan originally we wanted to be a brew pub after that being part of mill street and seeing that growth i kind of didn't want to work in a production facility again because <laughs> after such growth like it's just sort of i wanted to be like a bit of a smaller player doing fun stuff in the brew pub atmosphere that really was sort of like what i wanted to do but then mm. um in the intervening time while we were designing this building that we were going to do down on the water and be like this boat up brewery, uh, I started working at the Niagara College uh, with John Downing, uh, helping in the brewery, teaching the brewing program there. And we started doing some contract brewing, uh, sort of honing our recipes. And then that sort of snowballed into us selling some beer. We started contracting at another brewery called Black Oak in Etobicoke. Shout out to Ken, who's no longer Black Oak anymore. The beer's still around, but... Uh, they've been bought, which is, they were one of the OGs. Anyway, yeah. he helped us out a lot. And then we decided we were going to, you know, we outgrew the space before we even built it. So Rob purchased an old Canadian tire. Um, and we put, uh, we decided that we were going to be a brewery after all. And then I was able to take that knowledge from, you know, the production facility at Mill Street and put it into practice at Sawdust. Uh, sort of a small anecdote. That building, that Canadian Tire, was actually where I bought my first bike as a child. So <laughs> it's all come full circle. Yeah. Uh, it's a neat little story. And uh, Gravenhurst as a town has been absolutely fantastic, very supportive. Mm. Um, they've helped us grow. Uh, we've been a big part of the community, and they've welcomed us with open arms. And this will be our 10th anniversary in that physical facility this August. 
Mm. Yeah, because uh, uh, I am not a local Graven Hurst, but from my understanding, the 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 name Sawdust City comes from all the mills and lumber yards that are around the shores of Lake. Um, um, uh, oh, I forget the name, Lake Muskoka. Muskoka. The three uh, big lakes are Lake Muskoka, Lake Joseph, and Lake Rosso. There was like thirty mills or something, maybe twenty-seven. And like when we were going to build that building down in the water, like one of the issues was we had to drill through like 15 feet of physical sawdust to get to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so like there were there, it, there, it's, it was, the, the name was an old nickname for the town and it sounded, you know, contemporary, but a throwback to the past and it sort of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, like you mentioned the first, um, the first beers that were with the Soda City uh, logo on it uh, was sold in the autumn of 2011. And then you had a couple of years um, contract brewing uh, yes. and then in 2015 opened the, uh, the brewery. But uh, you almost used like contract brewing one way to, I, I assume, uh, to learn more about the market, about the products you were making, but also to to gain some capital to actually be able to build a, a, a brewery. How, how did you, was this a, like a, a conscious decision to use contract brewing to be able to kickstart a brewery? It, it really wasn't. It all was, it, it all evolved so organically and just sort of snowballed. Like what, honestly, truthfully, when I first started doing it, I really, contract brewing to me sort of sounded like a negative connotation because like, yep. <laughs> you know, it was kind of, I wanted to be hardcore craft and make my own, have our own space and do whatever. But in hindsight, it was very fortuitous to have that opportunity and be able to build our brand and get some brand equity before we even started. So in hindsight, it was really good. But at the time, like uh, it, it kind of like irked me a little bit just personally in my gut, but I, I I'm eternally grateful to, all the people that did help us along the way um, mm. to Steve Gill and John Grislow and John Downing at the school that allowed us to do our first pilot batches there and develop our brands to Ken Woods at Black Oak, who allowed us to put in our own fermenters and work in his brewery for uh, the better part of two years. If it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't have been able to build up to where we are today. So like we like to pay it forward and you know whenever we can help someone we'll help contract or do whatever it's a wonderful industry that way there's a lot of we don't really we're not competitors we're compatriots and you know we're all getting there on the backs of other people so it's you know it, it was it was a great way to learn and be a part of an industry and meet some great people and grow our name yeah yeah, and and you came into it with, uh, of course, with some experience uh, being part of the the growth in your previous uh, work. Where were there some traps that you could sort of spot when you got your own brewery that you could see that the trap was coming towards you and go like, oh, I have been I have been experiencing this before. Let's avoid that. Were there any sort of aha moments that you you can remember? Definitely, I spent a lot of time planning and making sure like. The throughput was a continuous flow and there wasn't any like back and forth. There was trying to like reduce bottlenecks, even little things like uh, making sure the brew decks were tall enough so that our brewers could walk underneath without having to duck. Um, we went with a four vessel brew house because in terms of production, uh, I didn't want to have to do that, you know, mash lauder wait and then have like a 16 hour brew day. I wanted a brewer to be able to do two brews in a manageable amount of time. So like mash in, move it over, get your second one going. 
like when you when I was at Mill Street, we were doing like we went from two brews a day all the way to twenty four hours by the time I left. So you have to have like that continuous throughput, making sure your fermenters were big enough but still manageable. If you needed like single wall double jacket, so you could single jacket or like you could do a fill half or just do the whole thing. And mm -hmm. so if you wanted to do a smaller batch, just try, try to be as nimble as possible. Um, and Rob's been, you know, very supportive and always keeping up with technology and, and getting us the, the stuff that we need to make sure we continue to grow. Um, you know, we don't always need to add more fermenters. We can add, we add a centrifuge to make our production more efficient with a timely manner. We can add a canning line that allows us to package better with less people in a small amount of time. So all these things like they help with efficiency as opposed to just adding more fermenter space, which it doesn't just cost physically, it costs space and using vertical space all as much as we could, like just learn as much as we can to keep this efficient and tight as possible. Yeah. And, and your uh, development in terms of, uh, of uh, attention and volume has increased uh, a lot since uh, the first days in 2011, I can't, Im can't imagine. Um, uh, looking throughout the, the, the beers that you have, uh, of course, there is some of the, the, I can see some of the German influence you have in the killer beers. Uh, there's some my book and stuff, but there is also um, pastry stouts and, and uh, hazy IPAs in there. Um, and, and it's a little bit of a question because uh, you mentioned there was just a little bit over uh, 330 uh, breweries in Ontario when you started in the business. And now there is 400. Um, what do what do you do in Sawdust to sort of, stand out or make sure that the consumer knows that you exist? Uh, well, at the beginning, we left, like it doesn't seem like it, but being around for over a decade sort of makes us still one of the older breweries in the province, which is yeah. kind of crazy because <laughs> still, we still feel new. But we had the luxury of getting our name out there early, so we didn't have, we didn't have to fight this wave that's, that, that kind of happened a bit after. So that did help. Um, it didn't hurt that Rob also owned the Canadian Brewing Awards and we were able to make relationships with breweries all across the country and be a part of a, uh, an event that sort of skipped back and forth province to province. So I would always go and meet the brewers and we were able to get do a lot of collaborations, which was a big deal with us, like working with many people, not only did it allow us to get our names out there, but learn and grow as brewers, working with many different brewers from Vancouver all the way to Halifax. So that's a very unique situation for us. And then at the beginning, like, we sort of took that, one of the first books that I read when I was getting into craft beer was the Sam Calgione Dogfish Head book. And I kind of took a page out of that, just try to be as crazy and boisterous as possible, kind of shadow up above the crowd, which at the beginning sort of was okay. I... Now we're now moving into my almost fifties. It's kind of like the, the, you sort of brew a little bit more with subtlety and uh, a little bit more technique, and it also shows the evolution of the beer drinker in Ontario. At the beginning, everybody just wanted the crazy stuff, and as the you know the palates developed and calmed down, they you know people want a well-made, well-executed beer as much as they want to try the next cool thing. So we try to offer as much as possible. A lot of our um, 
drive at the beginning, both Rob and I wanted to do was education. So we try to produce as many different beers and give people uh, the choice and the opportunity to learn about where these styles come from and how they evolved into where they are today. Mm. Yeah, it seems like even before uh, starting Sawdust, it, it seems like partners... Uh, Good partners has been uh, been a good key for you, um, and when you had Sawdust going as well with uh, with uh, the partners and and people around the industry that you can can work on as as well, and and um, there was something before I I got in touch with you. There was something familiar about the name, and you cleared it up to me because you have a, a beer called Little Norway uh, had yes. at the very very least. What um, what I guess is the question. <laughs> So, again, many years ago, before we had the physical Sauna City, um, and Rob was still on the Canadian Bring Awards, uh, there was a marketing company in Norway reached out to Rob. They just Googled Canadian beer, and because Rob owned the Canadian Bring Awards, his face came up, and they, so they reached out to Rob and said, hey, do you know a brewery that might want to come to Norway to make a Canadian-type beer? And Rob's like, well, I know one. For sure. So <laughs> they flew us over to Norway, and we met with this marketing company and a brewery in um, the Arendelle's Brewery in the south there. And they were looking for uh, a beer that they wanted to market at the grocery store level. So they wanted to make – they called it a Canadian-type beer, which I still not quite sure what that is. But, like, we ended up you know, sort of settling on a pale lager, something light and accessible. It had to be under 4.6%, I believe, to be able to be in the grocery store. So there was a, an alcohol content that needed to be met. And they had this business plan, and they wanted to call the beer uh, Canadian Lake. And we're sitting in this boardroom at this marketing firm, and they showed us like the plan for this, and they had the, all the mock-ups done. And it looked very eerily similar to another very famous beer here in Canada called Molson Canadian. So Rob's mm. in his back. He's like, I think I got a better idea. Now hear me out. And he sort of starts to explain that Gravenhurst is actually, uh, it's also called Little Norway. Uh, we have the Little Norway uh, Museum here. Uh, during the World War II, Norwegian pilots actually came to Gravenhurst to learn how to fly planes to go back to occupied Norway and, and fight in the war. So there was like this connection that just was very serendipitous. And all the people in the room were like, yes, that's a, that's a much better story. We're going to go with that. <laughs> so, uh, we decided to make little Norway there. So it was, it was for sale in Norway, I think up until last year. Um, Dave, when he came to visit, we can get into that later, but he actually told me sadly it had been taken off the shelf there. We still make it here. Uh, it's one of our top brands. Uh, it sort of evolved from what it came out with. We sort of made it a little bit more of a traditional German Pilsner. Um, as that's where I learned to make beer and it was one of the beers that I've always wanted to make. And, uh, we, so that's, that's our sort of like house pilsner now, but it still lives on here. Uh, we still have the little Norway museum and we love that connection to Norway. It was, it was nice to hear that Norwegians had such a positive affinity for Canadians. So <laughs> it was great. And I, I was, it's one of those things that I love so much about this industry is just these things that I've been so lucky to be able to do like this, op this opportunity never would have happened had I been in something else like it just seemed very serendipitous and I take that I don't take any of this for granted I'm just I consider myself very lucky to have all these opportunities and whenever something like this comes up I'm always jumping at it because you never know when the next one when it, it's going to stop 
Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating. Uh, "Quote unquote accident that uh, Sawdust ended up with uh, being the only Canadian associated brewery in Norway. Actually, we don't see a lot of Canadian beers here, so uh, me, I gotta admit, when I saw that on the shelf as well, I'm like, okay, that's a cool story, and uh, didn't think more about it. And that's uh, almost, yeah, now it's almost ten years ago since I saw it the first time, which is, uh, yeah, the full <laughs> circle thing. I think we're is <laughs> quite quite coincidental." Yeah, and it was for us. It was one of our. That was like our first sort of like big collaboration to get to do, and it was. I mean, I'm still super stoked that I got to have a beer in Norway with my name on it, and to see yeah. pictures. Like, <laughs> as much as like I might bemoan Untapped, I still get to see these pictures of our be- like a, a beer in Norway with our name on it, and it was super cool to have that opportunity and um, and to get to work with them and and to to visit. Oslo and the fjords and the Nagnaur and see what I didn't really know much yet Norway. So it was a, a great learning yeah. experience. Yeah, it's uh, it's a continuous process in terms of, of learning. It seems for you as uh, as well from uh, all the the collaborations you uh, you've done up until uh, till this very moment. And then of course uh, the question is where is sort of the uh, very sort of the, the road future for, for Sawdust, because uh, just like any other place in craft beer world, I would say, uh, things are harder than it's been in a while. Uh, inflation is going up wherever you are. Um, there is additional challenges on the local level as well. Uh, and of course, with, with the fierce competition you have with 400 other uh, um, colleagues and competitors in Ontario, where is sort of where do you see... Uh, sawdust and Canadian beer heading now in the, in the future? Well, I think one of the main things is like we all have to be better businesses. I think mm. one of the things that people sort of forget is that we are a business and um, we've been very lucky. We have uh, a wonderful COO who, if it wasn't for her, I think we would have been in trouble a lot earlier. Like when we first <laughs> opened, we, we kind of like, we ran full steam ahead and we didn't, we weren't paying attention to the bottom line as much as we should have. And mm. luckily, uh, Natalie stepped in and was able to sort of right our ship and get us to be better business people. And that's helped us a lot. And I think that's something that a lot of other breweries are going to have to focus on is just being, you know, the management level being tighter, watching your bottom line, being a better business. But also, like, in terms of the beer, I think it's it's all going to come down to quality and meeting customer expectations um, it, it was. It's never been good to have bad beer, but I think you know, because it's been so long now. There's no excuse for bad beer anymore. Like everything has to be, you have to execute as well as possible. Stay on top of your game. Continue to learn. Continue to become more efficient as brewers. Um, it's it. It's all the things that were like, you know, but you actually have to do it. And not, if this isn't just a, a silly game, it's like these are people's lives. You have employees that count on you, and you have to take it as seriously as you, you should. And mm. I think there was a bit of, you know, at the beginning, everyone was running around like crazy, and it, was, it seemed so optimistic, and the, the future looks so bright. And then now there's some turbulent waters, and everyone just has to refocus and make sure they stay the course and be good businesses, good stewards for the industry, and make top-notch beer and. Uh, just 
focus, I guess. I mean, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did. And then I think, um, of course, keeping keeping expenses low is is essential. But if you already have a brewery, you, there is plenty of ways to uh, plenty of ways to figure out how you can do that. And and then consulting firms, if you need some professional help with that as well. But there might be someone listening now, and are thinking, oh, you know what? I have the same passion as as Sam. Uh, I would really love to get into this business, and uh, I'm a little bit unsure if. Uh, I should start a brewery or whatnot, but maybe this contract brewing thing could be a good way to test my waters. What are some advices that you would give some of the listeners maybe looking to getting into the brewing industry, uh, but um, trying to to do it in as uh, uh, quote unquote safe way as possible through contract brewing? Uh, we have a lot of contract brewers in Ontario. I don't know if it's sort of, maybe it's going down a bit, but um we definitely have a bunch and people have entered that way. Uh, I don't, people, I would say that in the last decade, it seems to be less and less. It is a good way to do it. I think as a person, the best way to do it is to maybe go work or volunteer to really see what it's like before you get into it. Like understand the industry before you jump into it. Mm. And it's a scary time right now. Uh, make sure you want to do it for the right reasons. Like if you're getting into it, to make a million dollars, stop. Do not get into this business. <laughs> if you get if you get into it for the right reasons, because your heart's there, your passion's there, and you love beer and you want to make people happy, then yeah. But first, learn the industry. Maybe go to school for it. Um, don't rest your future hopes on something that is a, is difficult times right now. So I would say like work a bit, learn the industry, and then. Build a business plan and make sure it's viable. Find a. I personally, I think you know, it's just getting the space and getting to showcase to people face to face is the best way to get your your name out there. And be prepared to to work nonstop. Like I remember those first years. I don't know if I'd have the energy to do it again. Like no. Chris Walker <laughs> in the province, selling, delivering, brewing. Literally, you're gonna wear lots of hats, which. Is, to me, is one of the wonderful parts about this industry is that every day is a new day and you do so many different things. Like yesterday, I went from I was doing tours, I was driving a forklift, I was doing inventory, I was doing marketing, I'm looking at recipe development and our release schedule for next year. Like that's just one day. And like today, I wake up in the morning, I'm doing a podcast and then I'll go to work. And I'm like, there's so many different things and it's never boring and never dull, but you have to be willing to do all those things and switch hats pretty quickly. And if that's for you, then yeah, then jump into beer, man. It, it's, it is a, it, there's a, it has a lot to offer, but right now it's just a little scary. And I would say just make sure you know the industry and you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a very viable tip. No matter where in the world you're listening to this episode, because it's uh, yeah, it's challenging times. Uh, that's uh, that's the the name of the game at the moment. So it's still uh, it's still a wonderful industry. It's just right now is a little turbulent waters, and it's all cyclical, and it'll come around again. We just have to ride it out. Yeah, yeah. That's no no other way to to do it. And uh, yeah, knowing uh, knowing the majority of people working in the brewing industry uh, doing some hard work is. Uh, it's uh, an everyday business for a lot of people. So uh, we'll, we'll come on top uh, at the end of it, it all, I think. Yes, for sure. 
All right, Sam, I'm not going to take uh, more of your time. I uh, appreciate uh, the talk, learning more about uh, Sawdust and, uh, and your road to where you are now. And, and of course, I'm uh, very happy to hear that little Norway uh, still lives on to this day and just uh, makes me wish I, I, uh, I'm going to Canada pretty soon because uh, I need one of those uh, again. <laughs> well, if you ever come by, you're welcome to Sawdust City. There's a little Norway yeah. waiting for you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for the talk, Sam. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you to Sam for sharing his experience going from a contract brewery to a physical brewery, the opportunities and challenges that has been along their way. In this podcast, we go all around the world of fermentation. So um, at this point, I only assume that you have hit the subscribe button. If not, please do so right now. And sharing is caring, and we need more people listening to this podcast. So feel free to share this with a friend, the postman, your fellow brewers, or, or whatever. We need more people listening. So uh, share, share, share. Until next time, share, have fun, drink well, <laughs> and take care. <laughs>